0: Good morning. Good morning. It is Thursday, the 6th of October, 2022. It is Bring Your Bible to School Day. If you um, are headed to school and you don't have your Bible, I don't know, turn around and go back and get it.
1: Or you you probably have a Bible app on your... Cell phone or your. Tablet. I don't know, Do, Does that
0: count on Bring Your Bible to School Day? Carrying your carrying your cell phone because I mean I'm just thinking that that's not quite I, the like not, I know that's visible not and tangible at. demonstration of like what this is supposed to look like. So focus on the <laughs> family is behind this effort to um, to have students of all ages and stages of life. So you know, kindergartners, uh carrying their first Bibles to school and college students, university students, graduate uh, students carrying their Bibles to school today as well. As you and I are lifelong disciples of Jesus, then really the world is our school. So take your Bible to work today as well, and let that be a, a living demonstration of you as a lifelong learner, right? Still a student of the Word of God. Um, let let God's, light, let God's word be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path, which brings us to today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day. Matthew chapter five, verses 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. So these are um, words of Jesus following the Beatitudes. We've been looking at the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter five um, in the last uh, handful of days. And today we arrive at this teaching of Jesus that I will summarize this way. Go be shiny, go be shiny. Let your light so shine before others that they would see your good works and glorify God who is in heaven, which reminds me, irresistibly, of the song, This Little Light of Mine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Oh, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. All around the neighborhood, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel? No! I'm going to let it shine. Let Satan blow it out? No! I'm going to let it shine. So on this Bring Your Bible to School Day, let's let it shine. In the spirit of Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. And Matthew 5, Jesus is, go be shiny. All right, we're going to be shiny today and we're going to let it shine as we gather together around the word. Our friend Ben Johnson is going to join us next. We're going to talk about some developments across the country um, where, you know, we're really trying to bring our faith to bear on the headline news of the day. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen.
1: My right, a right given
2: by God, to live a
1: free life, to live in freedom.
0: Ben Johnson joins us again today, as he does so faithfully every Thursday. He tweets at The Right's Writer. He's a senior reporter and editor at The Washington Stand. Good morning, Ben.
1: Good morning, Carmen.
0: <laughs> so... um, First of all, the fact that gender transition surgery is happening um or sex reassignment surgery is happening in the United States breaks my heart. um the fact that it is happening um with people who are younger and younger, um even those who have not whose bodies have not had the opportunity to naturally and fully develop um, I, I mean it it's it's troubling to me, and so the fact that you and I are going to have a conversation about the market size and the growth of a market. Um, in sex reassignment surgery in the United States is very, very troubling. Uh, share with us um you know like trends related to gender transition or sex reassignment surgery in the United States.
1: Well, uh, unfortunately, as you mentioned, it's being looked at as though it is a market, uh, and that's that's perhaps the most troubling uh, issue that we deal with. Right now, there is, as we know, a massive uh, increase in the number of people who are identifying as transgender, as that's become a focus in the culture. There have been multiple studies, particularly among young women, who talk about what's known as a social contagion, where young groups of women will rapidly uh, fall into the uh, identity uh, gender identity dysphoria or gender dysphoria, begin to identify with the opposite uh, gender, and then uh, often will we'll seek these kinds of... Uh, of procedures either hormonally beginning uh, in the beginning with uh, either puberty blocker, puberty blockers or cross-sex hormones and then uh, what is known uh, euphemistically as top and bottom surgery, but we're talking about uh, a massive surgical intervention that removes healthy organs from, from uh, young people. And in some areas these surgeries are being performed on children we know as young as 13 years old. Uh, Obviously, the brain doesn't end uh, its maturation process until the mid-20s. We don't allow children who are 13 to drive, to vote, uh, to have a tattoo, to uh, have certain kinds of procedures on their own because they're incapable of rendering adult consent. And this growth industry is on its way uh, by the year 2030, according to uh, Grandview Research. This will likely be a $5 billion industry.
0: And... When we think about um young people in particular and this conversation, you know, Ben, first of all, my heart, my heart breaks. i I just recognize there's so much confusion. People are operating in a lot of darkness. Um, parents are genuinely, i mean, rightly deeply concerned about the welfare of their children. Um and then we have states like California. That are saying parents um, are the enemy here and if there are young people who want to have these kinds of surgeries and you're in a household where your parents aren't supporting you in that all you have to do is make your way to California and we will protect you from your parents and we will supply these surgeries for you um, you know here in our state you know like a a, like a sanctuary or refuge state for uh, for trans um, surgeries I I I find this conversation developing down really dark roads here in America.
1: Well, it's virtually Orwellian. What uh, the law that was signed by Gavin Newsom essentially says is that if you're a minor, and as you say, if your parents don't support you and you are able to get to the state of California, uh, they can uh, essentially place you with another uh, parent or the the state will will essentially step in and uh, oversee your transition. Against your parents' will while you are a minor. So the state is saying that uh, essentially the idea of having someone transition to a transgender status is so good that anyone who uh, would interfere with that is unfit to be a parent. And this is, uh, as you say, it, it's presenting itself as a sanctuary. Another way of looking at it is essentially is as a kidnapping institution, uh, taking children away from their parents circumventing the role of parents in their own children's lives and promoting these life-altering surgeries for minors uh, in a way that uh, will change their lives forever. We know that 98 percent of people, and even the most um, uh, lenient study on this, finds that 88 percent of all people who identify with the opposite gender will reconcile themselves to the sex in which they were born by the time they're 18. So this is a permanent life-altering solution to something that would resolve itself if we simply do nothing. That violates the first canon, which is to do no harm.
0: California, I, I mean, I, I just, you know, when I think about the laws that are being passed in the state of California and the things that California is up to, I mean, I I, I just, I mean, we need to get some um, some outlets in California. You know, we don't have any faith radio um, stations. <laughs> In California, and maybe it's a little early for the people in California to be up, but let me tell you, it is time for California, Christians in California to wake up. Um, I mean, not only is California, uh, you know, seeing itself as a haven for young people who, I mean, who believe something that's contrary to reality about their bodies, um, and many of whom, most of whom, in fact, statistically, are going to come to uh, a righteous awareness. They are going to come to right thinking about this in the future. Um, But in the meantime, California is going to protect them from their parents, quote unquote, provide a safe haven for them and provide um, the, the surgeries that would permanently change the shape um, and functionality of their bodies. And, you know, this is aligned with what California is doing in terms of massive funding related to um, subsidizing the cost of providing abortions to low-income or uninsured patients, and people from out of state. I mean, they, they have in their annual budget earmarked some $40 million in one-time funds to subsidize abortions for people both uh, in the state of California and those who want to, who want to travel to California um, for, like, tourist abortions. Like, it, it is boggling to the mind what is happening in the state of California.
1: Well, uh, it's California, but it's also at uh, the national level. And really, if you're cynical enough, it all makes sense. Uh, Essentially, the abortion industry, uh, of course, the abortion industry is also uh, uh, now uh, more than a billion dollar industry. And uh, you take a look at the gender reassignment surgery, uh, so-called industry. And that, as we said, is on its way to becoming a five billion dollar industry in the United States. Uh, All of these organizations donate to politicians and politicians in turn are running interference to make sure that no one interferes with these businesses. You see it when people expose illegal activities such as trafficking in human organs. Uh, It's the investigators like David Daleiden who end up coming under uh, investigation by then Attorney General of California Kamala Harris and then her successor uh, Javier Becerra, uh, both of whom have been elevated to the national stage now. Uh, At the same way, we see that, uh, for example, the Biden administration just received a letter from three national medical organizations asking them to investigate people who are, and this is a quote, coordinating, provoking, or carrying out threats of uh, violence against the uh, institutions that are performing these surgeries. And uh, so this is sort of analogous to what happened with the school boards. Huh. There was a letter, as we found out, the uh, Biden administration had had solicited that letter uh, asking them to investigate parents. Uh, who were making threats but then of course going well beyond that to chilling everyone who is speaking out and at the same way these three organizations that cover 220 different children's hospitals uh, throughout the country uh, are saying that anyone who is exposing individual institutions that are performing this like matt walsh at the daily wire or chrissy clark over at daily caller or other institutions are essentially responsible for the alleged violent threats that are flowing from that. So it's having a chilling effect on real journalism in order to protect an industry that is heavily tied to those who are holding the levers of power. To me, the entire fact that we're dealing with this in economic terms reminds me of Revelation 18, where it says at the end, it's you know the, the song of triumph, at the end when Babylon has fallen, says the, the mighty merchants are calling out that no one is buying their, their uh their merchandise anymore, mm. and mm. at the it says the last thing they traffic in are the bodies and souls of men.
0: All right, on that on that note, <clears throat> um, we're going to take a very very brief um, pause. When we return, Ben and I are going to uh, are going to lift up a conversation about religious liberty. This is a different religious liberty conversation than we have had in the past. This is about Hindus who are suing California. Because California has said you can't discriminate um, based on religious caste. What is a religious caste? What is the caste system in Hinduism? Is it more cultural than religious? And does California get to define um, what a caste system is? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show we do on the Faith Radio Network every day. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio Tons of free resources waiting for you to take advantage of and share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. Be sure to check us out on social media as well. Um, this is a community of believers, and we gather together here, and we all need prayer. And, well, we'd love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer. We pray for specific requests every single week when we gather on Tuesdays and Thursdays as a staff. So share your prayer request with us anonymously and securely on our website at MyFaithRadio.com and then be assured of our prayers for you in the spirit of Christ. Check it all out at MyFaithRadio.com. Hey, um, good reminders um, from friends on the text line this morning. About um, guests we've had in the past in relationship to the conversations that Ben and I just had on um, transgender or sex reassignment surgery and just uh, lifting up again Abigail Schreier's work in this area um, and the book Irreversible Damage. If you have not um, read it and if you have not accessed that interview, it's still available at MyFaithRadio.com. Again, Abigail Schreier. Um, Ben, let's turn our attention to something else going on in California. Um, And this is in relationship to... People who um, are largely from India, um, the nation of India, um, but who are living here in the United States of America and serving in um, tech, you know, in in high tech, serving in um, the te- the technology fields, and the caste system has followed them from India here to the United States, and California is regarding that as um, a Hindu belief and. That then, of course, is the challenge. You can't um, you can't restrict someone's religious expression. So talk with us about what's going on in California in relationship to Hindus now suing California for religious discrimination over the caste system.
1: Yeah, it's a very dicey situation here. The uh, Hindu American Foundation is suing, as you mentioned, the state of California because California is saying that the caste system is an inherent part of the Hindu religion. Uh, In other words, it's a vital part of what Hindus uh, around the world believe. Uh, Of course, uh, the Hindu population is uh, perhaps uh, the the Hindu-American population is probably largest in the state of California, a very diverse state with a lot of East Asian population. And because of that longstanding uh, population, uh, they have had to deal with the religious beliefs that are brought in uh, as a result of that. What uh, all of this stems from is uh, something that happened at Cisco Systems, an employee there filed a religious discrimination suit saying that he was being discriminated against because he is the bottom of the caste structure. As uh, people might remember from uh, elementary school or high school, Hinduism has four main castes, and then there's a fifth class called the Untouchables. Uh, he, uh, it's also known as the Dalits. And uh, he is a member of that group. About, uh, From what I can tell, about two-thirds of Indian society is. Uh, in the United States to this day, about two-thirds of those who belong to that untouchable class say that they feel discriminated against by their fellow Hindus. So uh, they, b- they believe very strongly that uh, there is there's something happening that is preventing him from getting forward, moving ahead in his career uh, as a result of the fact that he belongs to this caste system, and others uh, who are working with him, uh, who are believers in that caste system, are oppressing him. Now, I don't know the exact wording of the statute, and so it may be that uh, there is something that is crossing the line simply because we don't want um, uh, states to say what is inherently part of a religion or not part of a religion. That is not their province to define. It's up to the religions to define what they hold and believe. The issue, though. Uh, Is that if this is if this is happening, I think his lawsuit is very likely to succeed uh, against the corporations. And I think the Hindu American uh, Foundation lawsuit could be in some real trouble. If we remember what happened to Bob Jones University back in 1983 Uh, And, of course, this is talking about a a somewhat painful part of uh, evangelical uh, history in some areas. But Bob Jones had a policy that it did not admit any black students until 1971. And then it did not admit uh, any kind of uh, what they called interracial dating. We believe there's only one race. But uh, at the time, they they held that that, uh, view that it was unbiblical. And as a result, the Supreme Court ended up... Siding with the IRS saying that the IRS had the right to strip its tax-exempt status in an 8-to-1 ruling in 1983. Uh, they finally did get their tax-exempt status back. Uh, they dropped that policy in the year 2000. They got their tax-exempt policy, um, their status back in 2017. And uh, in, in the interim, uh, they um, they were abiding by a policy that is much more in keeping with what we believe to be the mainstream of evangelical and, and biblical Christianity. But um, the reason that they lost that status, the IRS said the government has an overarching interest in preventing racial discrimination. Uh So if that's the case, it applies everywhere with the exception of churches. It did not apply it to churches specifically, but they said religious institutions will lose their tax exempt status. If that's the case for religious institutions, it is certainly the case for Cisco Systems.
0: Yeah, no doubt. So I think Ben that this um this conversation about the caste system um which is deeply rooted in Hinduism even if uh this one group says it's not um and even if there's an espoused theology in Hinduism that there's equal and divine essence in every person, the functional reality of the caste system which pervades Um, the culture not only in India, but follows Indians around the world um, as they, uh, you know, as they immigrate to other countries like the United States. This is a real opportunity for Christians um, to talk about um, who we are created as image bearers of the living God. It's a real opportunity for us to ask questions, really good questions of people who do identify um, as Hindu and to talk with them about what they're experiencing and how the gospel offers a completely different view of them, um, and the opportunity to be genuinely equal, not only in creation, um, and at the cross, but in the kingdom and as it is manifested here, you know, in the kingdoms of this world. So I, um, I see real opportunity here. If you want to be equipped, um, as a Christian to share the good news of the gospel, with a Hindu, there are some great resources. DaretoShare.org has some great resources. Luzon.org has some great resources as well. Um, just Google, um, you know, how do I share the gospel with a Hindu? There's a good um, good opportunity to take uh, a headline of the day, something that's really happening in real time, and apply uh, the real gospel to it. So, Ben, um, as always, thank you so much for being with us.
1: I appreciate that. And just to, just to amplify your last statement, about a quarter of all Christians in India belong to these sorts of castes, uh, the ones that are that have been excluded. And so it's an opportunity for us to say in Christ there is neither male nor female, bond nor slave, Brahmin nor Dalit. All are equal in our Lord Jesus Christ's eyes. Come and receive him.
0: Amen. Amen, amen, and amen. All right, that's Ben Johnson. You can um, find what he's writing at WashingtonStand.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. It is Pastor Appreciation Month. Um, It's October. And so encouraging you to share encouraging words um, with your pastor and to help us honor your pastor here at Faith Radio. So we recognize that our pastors sacrifice a lot um, in order to um, serve the church of Jesus Christ and its people. And so you know, it's time, at least every once in a while, right? To let them know we're thinking about them. We appreciate their hard work, that um, they don't go unnoticed. And so October is Pastor Appreciation Month. And we wanna partner with you in encouraging your pastor. So here's all you do. Go to myfaithradio.com. And right there, the the lead um, uh, the lead link right now is uh, an opportunity to encourage your pastor. You just fill out a really simple form, and we will um, mail your pastor a, a thank you note from Faith Radio, um, acknowledging that you know they are loved and appreciated. And we're also going to send them a gift card for a cup of coffee.
1: Ooh, coffee. I know,
0: I know, which they could have with me. They could have coffee with Carmen.
1: True enough. I mean,
0: you know, there you go. You yeah. could invite them. That could be, that could be, hey. hey, I see a connecting point here. Mm, Do you see a connecting yes. point, Paul? Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, uh, it all works together for good. There you go. Or God works it all together for good, even when, you know, I make a mess of it. So um, so go to myfaithradio.com and tell us who your pastor is and why you love and appreciate them. And we will include them not only in our prayers this month, but we will send them um, a personal thank you note. And a gift card for a cup of coffee, so that that's a good time. A good time will be had by all. Um, How to pray for our pastors? How to pray for the church? um, And and how to pray in the face of very real fear? Those are um, the subjects we have teed up for conversation with our friend Kathy Branzel from the National Day of Prayer Task Force, and that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Our good friend and sister in Christ, Kathy Branzell, is back with us from the National Day of Prayer Task Force. You can find resources um, to equip you in your prayer life at nationaldayofprayer.org. Kathy, good morning. Good morning, friend. Good morning, friend. Um, So it is um, Pastor Appreciation Month. I thought it would be really helpful to talk not only about praying for our pastors and how we can pray for our pastors, but maybe widen the scope of that and start with why pray for the church? Oh, well, we need prayer. Um,
2: gosh, I, it, all of a sudden this song shot through my head um, from kindergarten <laughs> at church. It was like, uh, you know, not my mother or my father, but it's me, Oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Um, we we have to pray for one another we have to remember our assignment here um to be salt and light uh all that scripture calls us um in god's preparedness of us as his workmanship the good works he's already prepared um a fruitful life it is to our father's glory that we bear much fruit and that only happens when we pray When we pray um, for ourselves, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. um, When we seek him first with a whole heart. uh, When we seek him continually and when we're interceding for the people around us because we never go it alone. The church needs prayer um, because he sent us out there.
0: Mm. Um, I'm standing on the promises of God, right? That was the song that came to mind, but I'm standing on the promises of God in need of um, in need of prayer. So, for those of you not familiar with the song that Kathy um, that came into her mind and heart, that leapt into her mind and heart, um, uh, standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Not the preacher, not the deacon. It's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my father, not my mother. It's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not the stranger, not my neighbor. It's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Um, Every single one of us stands in need of prayer. And when we pray for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, when we pray for the church, um, we're actually like tangibly meeting one another's need for prayer. Yes. That's such an act of building up the body. Like, I'm not sure that I've thought of it that way before, Kathy, that when I'm praying for my brothers and sisters in Christ, I am doing the work of building up the body of Christ. Exactly.
2: You are strengthening the army of God. Um, we, it, it, here, here's, I just uh, was at a conference Um, about a week ago, um, talking about the armor of God, uh, putting on the full armor. And really, prayer is the final piece of the armor. And I said, if you're not praying, you're just playing. You're just playing dress up. You know, you might as well be that cute little kid that comes to my door at Halloween and says, trick or treat, and you've got your little plastic um, breastplate and your little rubber sword um, because prayer is what activates the armor. And um, we have to be strengthening, calling blessings, calling God, um, you know, praying God's word over our neighbor and our nation. Um, but for the person sitting to the left and to the right of us at church, for the people that we hug, um, just ask God to prompt you. But especially for those who serve day in and day out, in the church, in the building, in the communities, because um, they really, really need our prayers.
0: Yeah, so when we talk about praying for the people um, whom God brings to mind from our congregations, the first who might come to mind are the ones that we see, mo- in you know, in a most high-profile way, and that would be the pastor, mm-hmm. that would be the spouse of the pastor, um, the children of the pastor, um, and then you know, if you have worship leaders and you have Sunday school teachers and you have like, right, there are these concentric circles of people who maybe have a higher profile in the church. And so because we see them more often or we see their names printed in a bulletin, um, they come to mind more quickly. But I think right. when you talk about the people to the right of me and the left of me, the people um, or the empty seats, right? Like, the yeah. people who normally Especially sit now. over there, like, two rows back over my left shoulder, why is that, why is that whole section empty? Like, where are they? Um, yep. And could I lift up those prayers as well?
2: Yes. It's an Erin and her moment. Um, when we did our National Day of Prayer, um, you know, prayer, prayer bus tour, the very first one um, in 2013, we focused on the church and government a hundred days on a bus across the nation in 35 states. And we went city to city praying with and for pastors and just sitting down with them and saying, how can we pray for you? And then we would have their congregation. We'd have the people of the community come up and literally lift up the pastor's arms like Aaron and her did for Moses and start praying over them. And pastors would just sob and um, every single one of them said this to us. It was very tragic. No one's ever prayed for me like that. Uh, Some said, I don't remember the last time someone prayed aloud for me. And we have got to, got to, got to be lifting up our pastors, um, appreciating them, praying for them, um, and of course, multiplying what they pour into us every Sunday. You know they they um, are charged with equipping the saints, and so that's us. And we everybody needs a sense of accomplishment, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to know what they're doing matters and is making a difference. And so, um, as a member of a church, please don't come sliding into church every Sunday empty and exhausted and just be a consumer. But talk to the pastor about how you went out and magnified and put into practice what you learned the week before as you're listening and taking notes during the sermon and writing things down be thinking about how am i going to put this into practice in my family where i work where i learn where i serve where i shop you know every place that where my foot lands this week how can i put this word into practice as, as our pastor is equipping us and then go back and let him know how that was accomplished.
1: Hmm.
0: For those of you um, who are listening right now, and when you hear us refer to Aaron and her, and the mm-hmm. lifting up of the arms of Moses, and you're saying to yourself, I, I, might, I might have heard that story before, but I'm not sure where to find it. Let us direct you to Exodus chapter 17. Let us remind you of um, Moses standing um, on the, uh, on the mountain, on the top of a hill with a staff of God in his hand. And, um, and as long as Moses' hands were lifted up, um, God was you know, giving Israel um, victory. But when Moses lowered his hands, um, the Amaleks prevailed. And so he grew weary standing there all by himself. And um, he took a stone and he put it under him and he sat on it. And, and then Aaron and Hur hold up his hands, one on one side and one on the other. Um, And when you think about that and you think about what you're doing each and every moment, day, week, month, year in your church, are you upholding your pastor in that way? Um, What might it look like for you to um, ask the elders, the deacons of your church for an opportunity for your congregation this month to pray for your pastor in an Aaron and her way? Like Mm -hmm. do what Kathy, you know, has demonstrated, um, that, that they did in the first year of the bus tour of the national day of prayer task force. And, and actually just, you know, do this for your pastor this month. You don't, you don't have to wait for some outside group to organize this. You can have an Exodus 17, Aaron and her prayer in your church for your pastor, um, And, you know, and maybe include your elders and deacons in that as well. I mean, depending on how leadership um, works itself out in the context of your local church. We want to be praying for the church, and we certainly want to be praying for our pastors. Talk with us, Kathy, about specifically how we uh, pray um, for the church and for our pastors. Uh, Well, we need to be need to be praying
2: um uh, let's just talk about the whole church um right now so including pastors you know, don't forget your children's pastor your youth pastor mm-hmm. your worship leader um you know the, the the people that you don't get to see because they're you know teaching your children and your youth and other buildings um sometimes during the service but as a whole church as us the body of christ My prayer right now is that we would really know that the Holy Spirit would um, really remind us and we would remind one another of who we are in Christ, what our condition is in Christ. And you let me know when we need to take a break because I don't want us to run through it. But but knowing that means psychology 101, you and I talk a lot about the brain and neuroscience but psychology 101 says you behave as you believe. You you can't it, you can't break that. If you believe it, you'll behave in it. And so our condition in Christ should be fueling our character, our conversations, and our conduct. But when you look at some of the conversations and character and conduct of those of us who, you know, wear our cross and our T-shirts and and, um, you know, proclaim the name of Jesus, I'm not sure that we're being fully fueled Mm. by our condition in Christ. And that is my prayer for the church right now, that we would walk in the truth um, of who we are and the calling that we've been called to.
0: I love that. We're talking with Kathy Branzell from the National Day of Prayer Task Force. Um, when we come back, we're going to turn our attention to praying in the face of fear and praying with those who are fearful. Um, obviously, there are lots of things going on in the world, wars and rumors of wars and natural disasters and um, national turmoil, uh, political upheaval, um, personal stresses and, and and stresses and diagnoses and on and on and on. We're going to talk about praying in the face of fear. What do you fear? Whom do you fear? Or whom do you know who is in fear right now? And how can we be praying with and for one another? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at myfaithradio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, All available because of listener support from listeners. Well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit myfaithradio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. When your life seems like it's upside. Are you praying for me? I am praying for you each and every day. Um, we, we, before we start, um, every episode of Mornings with Carmen, Paul Perot and I, um, pray. We pray that God's will be done. We pray that, um, God be glorified. We, um, we acknowledge that we don't know exactly how God is going to use what we do, um, or the conversations that we have here. Uh, not only in you know in the live experience that people are having uh listening you know at you know in real time but as it is repurposed as a podcast um for those of you who are listening later at myfaithradio.com um and we certainly don't know down the road how god is going to use what we do here and so we pray for each and every person who is going to hear these episodes um mm-hmm. And so I hope you're praying for us as we prepare and as we um, engage in this ministry as well. Um, Kathy Branzell heads up the National Day of Prayer Task Force. She is a genuine prayer warrior um, and uh, and she knows how to pray with and for people who are facing fear. And she knows how to pray um, in the face of fear in her own life. So I thought, Kathy, that you know, as we're... As we talk about the headlines of the day, as we talk about global fears related to war or conflict or uh, the natural disasters um, that people have experienced recently or, you know, that are always on the horizon, the coming okay. tsunamis. Um, as we pray, you know, I mean, the the, the saber rattling, uh, even the rhetoric of civil war here in the United States, right? There are, there are rising levels of fear. Um, talk with us about how we pray in the face of fear. And then, how we pray for others who are fearful,
2: right? And and this is such a great segue from what I just said before the break. You know, we as the church, as professing believers in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we can't be um, just as anxious and just as fearful as the rest of the world. Um, Jesus said, "My peace I leave with you," um, and and we know that that is a fruit of the Spirit. Um, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are already ours. They're already our character because they're evidence of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And so we need to dive into the Word of God. Um, Last year, remember, our theme was Exalt the Lord. Who has established us and it was a whole year of praising god and his unchanging attributes and there's a strengthening uh he is our rock and our refuge and so we pray god's attributes we praise him with other people because faith comes by hearing so as they're reminded how strong and wonderful our god is then um strength um arises and then this year Um, I don't know if you've seen it. We announced it right after the last time I was with you. Um, In September, our new theme for the 2023 National Day of Prayer is pray fervently in righteousness and avail much Mm. coming from the James um, five verse. And and we want to spend this year reminding the body of Christ who they are in him we he became sin who knew no sin that we could become his righteousness and so read scripture and know what is already yours what he has promised Uh, God is not God is always 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 faithful he's been faithful um, throughout time his loving kindness never fails and he's not going to start with you and so, pray God's word over yourself, over one another, in all situations, and, and before you're sitting in your car or at your home right now thinking, yeah, but you don't know what I'm going through. Um, as Carmen said, our, our family has been through a lot. Um, God has carried us through, you know, uh, my, my brain cancer, my son's blood cancer, um, you know, a lot of everyday things, we just had the hurricane in Florida. We continue to pray for recovery and rebuilding, um, down there. We, um, uh, have, have a home down there. My parents are down there. My parents dug their heels in and just rode out the storm. Um, man, it is hard raising your parents. Don't you know mm-hmm.
0: it? <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: But today, today. My 29-year-old son is getting on an airplane and going to South Korea with our friend Billy Wilson Mm. for a conference and talk about sword rattling, saber rattling going on in North and South Korea. And I handed my son back to Jesus a long time ago, knowing that God, uh, he is God's workmanship. Um, In Christ Jesus created in Christ Jesus for the good works. God's already Prepared and as a mama. I know that God has already prepared the way He has already prepared the safety for dr. Wilson for Chandler for all of those going and speaking um, and serving at this conference in South Korea and I will not lose a minute of sleep Mm -hmm. fearing and we've got to live like that. So the peace that surpasses understanding is our message to the world because the world is plagued right now with mental health issues, with fear and anxiety and insecurity, um, hurt from things that have happened to them and been done to them. And we hold um, the key to healing and to peace and to joy. We've got to live it out before they'll talk to us about it.
0: When um, when we talk about um, praying fervently in righteousness uh, and avail much, um, when we think about availing, I'm not sure everyone, Kathy, has thought through that word. Um, and so when you're thinking about availing yourself of the promises of God, availing yourself of the access you have to God um, because of uh, the work of Christ on the cross um, and that uh, curtain being torn into from top to bottom, you have access. You can avail yourself of the very presence and the power of God. You can avail yourself what is available in the promises, the blessings, the benefits, the opportunities of God all of those are available to you, and so what it means to avail is to avail yourself of those things, to um, to make good use of all that God has given you access to, primarily Himself. And yes. if I if I if I avail myself of the presence of God, the power of God, um, the uh, the company of God, um, fear must flee because Mm -hmm. darkness cannot remain where where light is shining that's right that's right
2: and that word much i mean we're going to have a good time this year um talking through this verse and um and all that is available Mm -hmm. in christ and is already ours but that word much in the original language is the exact same word that jesus used When he said, "Great is your heavenly reward," Hmm. that much is equated. It's the same word as the greatness of your heavenly reward in Christ.
0: I love that. That keeps my mind. Um, set on things above, not on the things of yeah. this earth. And that is um, that is a wonderful weapon against fear as well. Kathy, as always, um, thank you so much. Thank you for encouraging us and walking with us. Thank you for praying for us and leading us in prayer and equipping us um, to to pray as well. Um, we genuinely appreciate it. That's Kathy Brenzel. You can find her at the National Day of Prayer Task Force. Lots of resources for prayer org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. All right, who are you praying for today? How are you praying um, for them? Who, who is God bringing to mind? When you think about um, other members of your church, when you think about, the congregation of which you are a part. When you think about um, those who serve the church, think about pastors and and pastors at all levels, Christian educators, and um, and those who today are going to be carrying their Bibles to school. Let's be praying for kids um, and students at, of all ages and stages of life on this Bring Your Bible to School Day. Could you be praying for them? As I mean, that's a that's kind of a scary public witness to carry your Bible around. Um, and let me just encourage you to consider this. You may be the only Bible somebody reads today, so go be shining. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at myfaithradio.com.